The Gov Innovator Podcast is sponsored by MDRC, committed to finding solutions to some of the most difficult problems facing the nation, from reducing poverty to bolstering economic self-sufficiency to improving public education and college graduation rates. To learn more, visit mdrc.org. Welcome to the Gov Innovator Podcast. I'm Andy Feldman. Our focus today is how states and localities can use random assignment within ongoing programs to learn what works and to improve program results. To talk about a great example from South Carolina, my guest is Matt Nodawadigdo of Northwestern University. So what is random assignment? It means assigning individuals, such as program participants, to two or more groups using a lottery, essentially flipping a coin. Why should program managers know about random assignment? Well, first, in some cases, it can be the most fair way to allocate limited program slots. And second, it can enable researchers to build credible evidence about program and policy questions that are important to program managers. Our focus today is a recent example from South Carolina. To learn more, we're joined by Matt Nodawadigdo, an associate professor of economics at Northwestern and an affiliated professor at JPL. With Craig Garthwaite, he's been studying North Carolina's Medicaid system as part of JPL North America's State and Local Innovation Initiative. Matt, welcome to you. Before we explain to our listeners why random assignment was useful in this case, give us some basic grounding about the setting. Am I right that Medicaid participants in South Carolina can choose a number of plans run by different managed care organizations? So there's a choice here, and the plans are somewhat different. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So what South Carolina has is what several other states have in place, which is a system of Medicaid managed care plans, uh, also called MCOs, which give consumers a choice um, about what plan they want. This is something that some states have migrated towards in the last several years, moving away from a traditional Medicaid fee for service. And the choice is similar to the choice you have when you're choosing a private insurance plan. So these plans differ in characteristics, such as their network of physicians and hospitals, their cost sharing, such as their deductible and co-payments. And so consumers can review that information and then pick the plan that's right for them. So there's consumer choice within South Carolina's Medicaid system. The second piece of key background, I think, for this example is that there are star ratings that can help people choose the right plan for them. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. These star ratings, I think, are supposed to serve two purposes. The first is it's supposed to give information to consumers about which plans the state thinks is doing a good job. And I think the star ratings serve another purpose, which is to try to give these plans an incentive to develop good characteristics that the state wants. So, for example, some of the ratings include things like, are the individuals in the plan getting the preventive care that we think they should be getting? Are they getting vaccinated? Are they getting flu shots? And so these star ratings are, are used by the state um, to really provide incentives for the managed care plans to take actions that the state would like them to do. It, I think of it as a way of basically managing the competition between the plans um, and really as they try to compete with each other for customers. Okay, Matt, that's excellent background. Consumer choice, star ratings. Tell us now the research questions that you and Craig Garthwaite have been exploring in conjunction with South Carolina uh, Medicaid program managers. And after you explain that, we can get to why random assignment was useful. Sure. So the analogy that I have in my head is, is the star ratings are really like, they're like report cards, like you give to a school to see whether the school is doing a good job or not. And so the research question we have in mind is that how well are those star ratings doing 
at reflecting the plans that really are high quality plans. And so the, the reason why we're interested in this is that it seems at least possible that some of these plans get good star ratings because they're selecting the right people, or maybe they have high star ratings because they are in fact getting people to do the things that the state wants them to do, such as what I was saying before about preventive care and getting flu shots and things like that. And so to, it's a standard problem in social science really is that you're trying to distinguish between almost like a cream skimming effect and really the plans themselves encouraging people to take the right behaviors. And Matt, in exploring how you could credibly answer that research question, a key detail, am I right, related to how people were assigned to plans, and in particular, what happened to people who didn't actively select a plan? How were they assigned to a plan in South Carolina? Tell us how that unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started talking to the state, one of the things we wanted to learn about was how do people get assigned to plans right now? Because if we want to be able to estimate what's the effect of choosing a particular plan, we, we have to understand that process. And what we learned was that some people, but not everyone, actually just make a choice. They review the materials and, and make a choice about what plan they think is best for them. And then if people don't make a choice, what we learned was that the state does one of two things. Either they'll try to make an educated guess and make a choice for them. Uh, or if they don't feel like they can do that, then they carry out what looked to us like a basically a round robin assignment. They go to plan A and then plan B and then plan C and so on until they get, get around again and then start a plan A over again. Um, and so our pitch basically to the state was that if you're going to do that round robin assignment, why not just go the full distance and just randomly assign people to plans? And if it's explicitly random, then what we can do as researchers is then estimate the effect of being assigned to a plan randomly on some outcomes, such as your healthcare utilization or your healthcare behaviors and things like that. And so the, I think the key early step in the project was convincing the state and helping them think through going from the round robin assignment to an explicit random assignment. For our listeners who aren't steeped in evaluation methodology, it may be worth stepping back for a second here to say that by randomly assigning people to different plans among those who didn't make an active choice, you create an even distribution among those folks, among those randomly assigned people, among the different plans. In other words, there's about an equal number of healthier people, sicker people, older people, younger people. That allows one to make a credible comparison between plans. In other words, Matt, that helped you answer the research questions that you posed. That's right. I think that there's going to be two things we hope to learn from this. The first is going to be What's the genuine causal effect of assigning someone to one plan versus another plan? And the, the random assignment there is critical for the reasons that you said, is that you need to have kind of the same balanced set of people in each of the plans. And without random assignment, you might not have that. And that's because people are making a choice. Some people might actually think this plan is better than the other one, and some people would think vice versa. The random assignment allows you to make those comparisons very cleanly. So that's the first thing I think we can learn. And then the second thing I think we can learn is just how good are the plans that we estimate using our randomized estimates to the evaluations that the state gives to their star ratings. And that's the part that I'm also really excited about is just seeing how close those two things line up. And Matt, we'll look for those findings from you and Craig in the near future. If this podcast interview had been about how states should design Medicaid star ratings, we would have waited for your findings. But in this case, it's really about opportunities to build in random assignment into existing programs to help program managers gain useful insights. That's why we're telling the story now. Matt, from your experience, what's the biggest barrier 
to doing this type of collaborative research with public managers that has a randomized design built in? You know, to be honest, I think one of the biggest barriers is actually getting over the hurdle to get the states interested in talking about random assignment. In my experience, that tends to be where where a lot of these projects break down. I think you have to make a case that this is not going to be imposing a big additional cost on the state and that it's at least as fair as what the state was already doing. Matt, we look forward to tracking this research and thanks for sharing with us a terrific example of building rigorous evaluation into an existing program, something that will no doubt help South Carolina better serve its citizens, in this case, its Medicaid population. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. 